Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle Podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Paranormal Pendle, broadcasting to the Paranormal UK Radio Network at paukradio.com. Now on this episode, I'm talking to not one, but two guests, and we're talking about all things UAP and hopefully uh, some paranormal uh, subjects as well. So um, in alphabetical order, so Greg doesn't feel left out and pushed to the back, uh, we've got Ash Ellis, who has a lifetime of interest in UFOs and is the owner of ufoidentified.co.uk, which is a database of UFO sightings in the UK, as well as uh, investigating cases that are reported right across the northwest of England. Ash heads a team of dedicated investigators and researchers, and is also the co-host of Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. And Greg Tomlinson um, got into the paranormal uh, whilst watching Arthur C. Clarke, um, and also has a fascination with UFOs, which started at a very young age. Um, and it's followed him all the way through life. And his interest has strengthened over the years, especially with the advent of the internet, uh, where he's been able to do more research and ultimately been part of a couple of paranormal uh, investigation teams. And at the moment, he also co-hosts the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast with Ash, which started in 2020. So, guys, thank you very much for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Shall we start off with the really big news that's happened recently, which is, of yeah. course, the recent uh, Pentagon UAP report? Um, who wants to start? Uh, you, Ash. Yeah, I guess your, I uh, <laughs> That is your baby. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, UFO is just more my, my domain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was last August when they first uh, requested this sort of information as part of the... Um, the fiscal bill for 2021. So we've been been quite a long wait. And obviously it was signed into law in December and then it was they had six months from then to produce this report. I think from the start, most of us knew that we weren't going to get much from it. Um, it's been saying for 50 plus years, they're going to tell us what they know, disclosures come in and then nothing ever happens. They give us they give us bits to keep to keep us hanging on and then nothing actually comes off it. So when the report dropped, which was about 10 days ago now from uh, recording this, uh, the Friday night, late Friday night, and this report dropped in the UK. And um, yeah, read the nine pages pretty quickly. And yeah, my initial thoughts were there's there's not much in this. They've left out the previous 60 years of UFO history and gone just from 2004, been having these unidentified occurrences in military training, training areas. Uh, being caught on radar and other sensors. And basically out of the hundred and so that they've captured, there's only been one they've been able to identify. So there is some good stuff in there. Uh, they are saying that they are capturing unidentified anomalies on radar. Um, and the categorising it as these different categories, what it could be, uh, whether like just balloons, birds, uh, just glitches on the software. Um, and then, oh, it could be other, which encompasses quite a lot of things, but one of them is that it's advanced technology um, by either other governments or what they call foreign adversaries. It doesn't really say too much. Obviously, they stay clear of saying anything possibly otherworldly or non-human. And this, on purpose, they've stayed clear of mentioning that. Um, but for me personally, the, I know the UFO community has been quite split. Some have really love the report and it's the big step and going forward but the other half are saying there's nothing new in there which there isn't for people that are in, embedded in the field there's nothing new in there uh, we knew all this stuff was happening we knew that they were looking into it we knew they were investigating it anyway you know they always denied it um, but just, I mean there's some good points to it that they do want to have a more streamlined process they want more money to do it which is, to me is a fundraising exercise um, which can only be a good thing but then my concerns with that is if they do have these more reports and these more investigations into it, are we going to see any any of it anyway? 
Um, so that was my initial take on it. How, how do you think about it, Greg? So, um, so we, we discussed this the other day as well, um, me and Ash, and I'm more of a the mainstream person, the, the lay person, as it were, that's, I obviously have an interest in the UFOs and UAPs, um, but that's more Ash's side of things. So I've, I've looked at the report more of a normal person, as it were, a man on the street. And I, I quite liked it. I quite liked that. Hey, it was quite short. So that was quite, quite good. And I didn't have to wade through loads of jargon and, um, and whatnot, but, I think the fact, like Ash just alluded to, I think the fact that there was this other category that speaks quite loudly to a normal person. It's like, well, if you don't know what it is and you're lumping it under other, hmm, what what's and then you're asking for money. So you clearly you want to investigate it, or there there is a um a likelihood that you're going to start investigating it. You need more money for it. So you're giving a certain amount of information to Congress um, to sort of say, well, it could be, couldn't be, whatever. So for a normal person like me, I think it it gave more than we've ever had before. It's the fact that somebody's come out there and said, actually, there is this other category. We don't know what it is, but it goes in there. So I think personally, that's quite a big step. Um, and there's not many first world governments that will come out and say that i know like chile and and south america they're they're quite open some of the um air forces with the information that they give out but for like us and european stuff that that's quite unheard of i think um but yeah i think what they didn't say outweighed what they did say um i think they could have gone a bit further so do you think there's more to come then? Do you think there's going to be more reports? Um... Yes. And I, the reason I say that is that it will be a slow drip feed again. It, it always has been a drip feed of information. I think this is one of the bigger drips, as it were. But as soon as that money starts rolling in and the, they go, well, we need this money because we need to, to invest in um, technology that we can try and find out and study these things more. Um, as soon as money gets involved, people people take an interest. So, like all these wars in different countries, there's such a big money machine that why would they want to stop a war when it's bringing in so much money? I know that's a different way of looking at it, but yeah. as soon as they open a tap for some money, mm. they'll just drip enough that they can get a little bit more in, a little bit more money, a little bit more money. That's my personal opinion. I mean, the, the dates are interesting to me because they've basically said, like, okay, we've got a blank slate and we're starting from 2004, mm-hmm. um, which is the date of the first, one of the first three videos that were leaked in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, in the cynical side of me, says that um, they're only saying from 2004 because we already know that information is out there. So they have to go 2004. So their hand was forced because them videos are already in the public domain. If the, got, yeah, go on. And you've got Colin, um, David Favour coming out on Joe Rogan and all the podcasts, yeah. and he's the guy from 2004. They, they, like you say, they were forced to do that. They had to choose at least that date had yeah. to be in there. So. so if the earliest video that we had was 2010, then the report probably would have been from 2010 has been 50 of these sightings, and that have been unidentified so far. Um so that's, that's my sort of cynical side of it is they're only telling us what, like like I said, what we already know, that it's from 2004. There could have been lots before then, but they've not been leaked. We're not aware of them, so they're just not mentioning them. Um, and then obviously, going back to the money side of it again, um, like Jeremy Corbell is one that's releasing lots of these videos with George Knapp, and he got asked the question is who's leaking these videos to him? And are the government or the military purposely leaking the videos? So they then have to come out and say that they're theirs and they're real to then say, we have to investigate it, so we need money. It's just, I think with anything with the government, there's always going to be questions. And even if with the US government coming out and saying UFOs are real, UAP is real, there's always going to be like the, the doubt because it is the government saying it. 
there's always going to be a doubt there too. I don't think we'll, we, we, I don't think we're any closer to disclosure or the truth than, than we, we, we're just not anywhere near with them what we were before. So do you think then that the American government, and let's go right to the top of government, the, the president, whoever that may be, do you think that they, whilst they're in office, they are told the truth? Um, and so obviously when they when they leave office, um, they are bound by whatever their equivalent of our official secrets, secrets act is. Um, so, for instance, you know, I mean, could Donald Trump know the truth? Um, you know, the horrendous thought that it is. Um, but could he have been told the truth about UAPs or, you know, stuff that obviously isn't in the report, which is a lot more detailed? Or do you think that this is this is genuinely as much as they know, or do you think they are holding stuff back? Well, I mean, I believe the the full report was something like 70 pages and it's full of videos. Um, and I think one one person described it as like a sci-fi movie with all these videos in. Um, so, I mean, you'd assume that the president would have access to, to that side of the report. In terms of whether they're told everything, like when they first come into office or whatever, um, I, I don't think they would, because I think with presidents get four years, sometimes get eight years, the very short term. Whereas I think these projects and the people running these projects are there 20 years, 30 years. And there's obviously there's the black budget money, there's what they call like um, the black government size, the like sort of black projects that you don't hear about. I think they're, personally, I think they're above anything that sort of even the president's told. Because the short term, they're there for four years, sometimes eight. And sort of anything new would be coming out with any president. That's just my personal thoughts on it. What do you think, Greg? I think the same. I think yeah. um, it goes way above the president. Um, he's just, or she is just a, a pawn in the po- politics game. They're there. One person can't, can't know everything. So... Um, you've got a Congress and you've got these people that are there for life. Like I said, they, they outdate every president um, term. Um, yeah. I think they probably know enough to, to stop them talking, which is probably what's just come out in that report. Yeah. We know stuff. We don't know what it is. We keep looking. Yeah. Then that kind of sort of, because the problem you've got is you've got a president, Donald Trump, for example, who stands on a stage and you don't know what he's going to say at any given moment. Um, and if he comes out and says, look, we know that they're real. We've, they've, we've been interacting with them for 50, 60 years or longer. That's some liability that you do not want. You can't control that. <clears throat> so why would you tell him? Um, yeah, no, um, that's, that's a very good point. That is you, you only have to look back at JFK, for yeah. example, and there's people say that he was he was going to start talking about stuff, and lo and behold, um, he didn't make it. Yeah. So, I don't know. so we're getting into the whole realm of conspiracy theories. <laughs> and it's, it's not something that we ever get to on our podcasts. No, uh, um, no. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by conspiracy theories, yeah. um, especially around um, JF, uh, JFK and that sort of thing. Should we move on to to the website, um, UFO identified website that you've set up? Yeah. What the idea was behind that when it when it started, what sort of information you get on there, and um, you know any sort of local UFO sightings that, that you want to talk about? Yeah. So so yeah. So basically, um, like like I said at the start of the show, I sort of had a lifetime interest in the subject since my own sighting when I was ten years old. Uh, in the northwest, and then last probably the last three or four years, uh, obviously because life happens and then school and work, so sort of don't we really have the time? But the last three or four years, sort of started getting back into it more seriously, looking at the research and finding stuff out. And then when COVID happened, I was on furlough for like 12 months, so probably around this time last year, uh, probably a bit earlier, more April time, April May time, I was just again just spending all my time looking into the UFO stuff. And it was just hard to find anything from the UK. Everything UK based was years ago. You saw that the old cases from the 80s and 90s, which is good stuff to have. It's good knowledge to have. But I was like, there's a, like, 
there's a gap here from what's happened in the last five years, ten years. Uh, so that's so the idea behind it was to try and fill that gap, was to look at it from a UK perspective, but modern times because everything you hear is America. America's got all these task forces. America's releasing all this information. This has been happening. This is what's happening now in America. Whereas there's literally nothing for the UK. Uh, so that's why the, the website was set up to uh, sort of try and fill that gap of modern UK sightings, like from basically from 2020 onwards. Um, so I set up the, the website and the Northwest UFO group um, to basically mainly focus on the Northwest because that's where we're based. And we can get out to any local sightings that get reported. Uh, but also, we also do concentrate on UK sightings for the whole of the UK. I think on average, my website receives around 10 sightings a month reported to us from across the UK. Um, and then I saw been, so over the past 12 months, I've been building my own database of UFO sightings, and I've been getting data from UFON, from Bufora, from the National UFO Reporting Centre, from other community groups, so like the Birmingham UFO Group, Cornwall UFO Group, the Swansea UFO Network. So I've been working with them, basically collating all sightings that have been happening in the last 12 months and built a database of basically the, uh, building a picture of what's been happening in the UK. Then I've been doing monthly reports, looking at the data, what's been reported, where it's been reported, most popular days, what's been basically what's been seen, and then just collating it all for just, just for information purposes, really. So you can go on the website and you can see what's been reported, where the hotspots are, in the UK, because like when if you ask on the UFO group, where's the hotspot in the UK? There'd be 40, 50 places get listed. And because yeah. they have been hotspots over the years. But, but I was interested in what's being seen now and where it's being seen now, not what was popular 30 years ago. And so that's that's that was the idea behind the website. And that grew into uh, having people that volunteer their time to write articles to investigate the reports that come in. Uh, to help with the running of the of the site, uh, which is not an uh, a easy task uh, running a site because not stuff that we do. Uh, obviously, COVID's restricted us in terms of getting out and talking to witnesses. Um, so that's been mainly desk research and desk investigations, talking on the phone to witnesses rather than going out and visiting them. And obviously, with restrictions being relaxed now, next twelve months we've got a lot of big plans uh, to grow in the team, go on the website, uh, putting more events on. Um, that people can come along and attend. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's the website really. So, have you noticed any trends? You you, you mentioned about um, hotspots and trends. Have you have, have you noticed any from recent reports? Yeah. So, one that has actually been like talking about the nineties. Uh, there's a trend that's probably not really gone away, and that's the triangle. Yeah, the classic black triangle sighting, and um, that gets seen. I mean, all over, all over the world, really. Um, but obviously, it was popular in the UK in the 90s. Um, and in January um, 22nd, I believe it was, there was five uh, triangles, UFOs, reported on the same day in the UK. And they were all around the, the west, like west corridor of England. So over the course of, I think it was 16 hours, there's five different reports of this black triangle being seen. And that was super, like, it stood out initially because so many reports in one day of the same thing. Um, so that, that was fascinating. Uh, again, that's only what gets reported. So I mean, they say that only 5 to 10% of sightings get reported anywhere. So you're saying that five people saw this black triangle on the same day. How many people actually saw it? And didn't um, report it, yeah. Yeah. And there's, um, like, there was one, one, of the, one of the reports that day said that he saw this black triangle being escorted by a grey military type aircraft and then obviously you're able to look at like the, the apps and the flight tracking software and stuff and at the time and they, that he said he saw this military aircraft escorting this black triangle there was military aircraft in the area where they saw it so it does add credence to that this object whatever it was was seen so um again and in february there was again i think there was four throughout the month of triangle uh, shaped UFOs being reported. I think that's just always been like a present feature of UFOs is the black, the black well, not even black, now it's grey. Uh, what is reported as purple as well. Uh, just But just triangle has been a mainstay, really, throughout 2020 and going into 2021. 
So you mentioned the West of, of the country, which is obviously where, where we are. Um, can you be a bit more specific with the locations where they were where they were seen? Yeah, yeah, I can do. Um, so there's one scene in Stockport, which is uh, obviously Manchester. Mm. Uh, and then it went, then it was Wolverhampton, then somewhere in South Wales near Cardiff, and then Bristol. And then I think it was somewhere in Hampshire. But, but I had it plotted on the map, and it's basically near, near enough a straight line up from like Stockport and then down. Like basically, like it from Danny M6, basically, that's what it looked like. It was, uh, it had been um, going down the M6, this, uh, this triangle. Um, but that's like, but it was obviously because I looked through all the reports, and there's, there's around 40 a month that I, I look at, and it just stood out immediately these, these five sightings. And there's a similar one in, although not the Northwest, and this is one in, in fact, there was one in the Northwest, one of it is in Rochdale. So it's Rochdale, Ipswich, and two places I can't remember right now. But they all reported a similar um, object, not a triangle, but just a similar object. And again, all on the same day. So whether it's the same object traveling to these different areas or just something being seen, but there is definitely things being seen and things being seen on the same day in different parts of the country, which just adds like support to that. There is something and, like people that are not related to each other at all, just completely independent people reporting, seeing the same thing in different parts of the country, but on the same day. So I've been finding some um, fascinating stuff and, and the reports for them uh, can all be found on, on the website like, and the investigations and all the, like looking into it and the investigation side of it's all on there as well to, to have a look at. Do you get involved with investigations as well, Greg? Not into the UFOs, no. That's that, that's firmly Ash's side. I'm um, the paranormal side, so we, yeah, we're we're just waiting for sort of some of the lockdown stuff to to lift, and then we're uh, we're back off out in the group I am, and we'll do our our paranormal side of the investigations, but UFO side. I, I don't have enough time. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Well, tell, can, can you tell me uh, a bit about the paranormal stuff that you do then, about your yeah. investigations? Yeah, so um, where I am um, in West Oxfordshire, in Whitney, I'm part of a paranormal group. We've been together nearly a couple of years. Um, and, yeah, we, we were unfortunate that we sort of, the, after the first six months of being together, lockdown happened, and... Um, been a bit of a nightmare so yeah we do have um facebook page we've got a website um which currently is in not inactive but we haven't been able to update it really because we we only put up stuff from our investigations and stuff that we believe um shows some kind of um paranormal evidence um there's a lot of paranormal stuff that is on the internet at the moment same with ufos as well there's a lot of people just putting fake stuff up there quite a lot of bad fake stuff up there quite a lot of stuff that is it's not it's just not even paranormal um and where people will question it like myself i'm quite i'm happy and this is exactly what my team do we will repeat at the something that we've done that's caused say a knocking sound so if we've asked a question and a spirit or whatever there's been a knock or or something's reacted to the question we will then ask the question again maybe slightly different way so that we can replicate the evidence because once it could just be coincidence you're in an old house multiple times like ash said you've got multiple witnesses multiple different times then that adds a bit of credibility to, to what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that's our aim, really, is is to try and capture stuff that we, that you can't, we've been unable to debunk. That's, that's essentially what we try and do, is debunk our own evidence and get to the point that whatever you're left with at that point fits into potentially the other category, like we mentioned on the report. So, um yeah, so we, we're just a small team we, and we're just waiting for lockdown to finish. We've got loads of investigations in properties that are old that um, that nobody's been investigating in before, that we've been lucky enough to have contacts that have allowed us or will allow us to go into those places. Um, 
so yeah, it was an exciting time coming up because we'll be back on the road, um, as it were. <laughs> so, what will be your? I mean, pre-COVID, what what will be your um, standout investigation so far? Then, so we investigated um, in a, a local. It was a shop in a local town near us, um, and due to the, the nature of the person who runs the shop, we were unable to to say what shop it was. It was a, an independent little place. Um, and, and lots of things happened there. Uh, we've got it on our YouTube channel, all the stuff that we gathered. Um, at one point, I walked through a corridor and smelled a smoke, like heavy smoke. And I used to be a smoker, so I know what that and be around my my parent, well, my my dad who used to smoke in a football club. So that it's quite a distinctive smell, isn't it? I walked through this this hallway from one room to another, smelled it, turned around, told everybody, and I walked back. And I could, I never smelled it after that. Um, and then we've got it on um, video of us talking about tea parties and such like because there was some it was felt that there were some children spirits of children there so we were talking about a tea party and one of the one of my team members mentions about coming to a tea party and then you can hear footsteps running towards their microphone it's very weird uh same place as well that night we've got light anomalies on on camera um but not like an orb go kind of like an orb going across the screen which could be dust could be all sorts of things but this actually it, it looks like an orb blurred orb but it goes behind a chair and you can see it go behind the chair and i slow it down multiple times on the video um unable to explain what that was didn't see it at the time so we couldn't replicate that one so that that's an, an unknown thing but yeah quite a lot of weird stuff Weird stuff has happened along with voices on, we use a spirit box. I don't know if you know what a spirit box is. Yeah. yeah. So we've got this spirit box and we were asking loads of questions. It named one of the team. It um, gave a load of information about why it was in this particular room. But it's, again, it, it, it's, it's all subjective, some of it. But the words are clear. You can is clear, intelligent responses to the questions, um, rather than just so random yes, no type things. So, yeah, that was a really good good investigation. You can check out on our YouTube channel, which is Windrush Valley Paranormal. Uh, loads of videos on there as well for some of our investigations. So, yeah. So, would you say that the area where you live is quite a hot spot for paranormal activity? Yeah. And it, why why do you think that will be then why do you think that's particular particular strong in your area so we're just down the road from oxford um which has got its own history um we're down in whitney and there's on the estate that i live on apparently it's a it's a new build estate um just in on the outskirts of whitney and um where we are there's been loads of um battlefields uh, which i didn't didn't know about the the school my children go to it's like five six hundred year old school um and that's got uh, like a unnatural history of of deaths and and plague victims those kind of things um and and whitney itself it i think is steeped in quite a, a deep history of like we had woolen mills they were um making we're famous for cloths and rugs and stuff like that in whitney which um I didn't really know about it till we started looking into it. So the, there's a massive history where we are. Um, and as such, there tends to be quite a um, steep sort of paranormal um, history as well. We, we're down the road from Minster Lovell, um, and there's a ruins at Minster Lovell. Um, and a very famous guy who um, owned the place, he um, was, at the time was one of the richest men in England, and his girlfriend partner wife i think it was um she, they were playing hide and seek which was a game they used to play back then she went up into the loft uh, they couldn't find her and presumed she'd just gone off somewhere uh, and it wasn't until some time later that they opened a chest that was in the loft or in the attic at the time of the hall and 
she was dead inside there and there were scratches on the inside. And weirdly, it was a story that me and Ash put out on our podcast for Christmas. It's actually a very well-known story. Um, so we're fortunate enough to have the ruins literally like two-minute drive from my house. So we go down there a few times. It's quite a spooky place. What what you what do you think about ley lines? Ash, should we start with you? <laughs> yeah, so I think especially the probably the past six, seven months since I've been doing this podcast and I've been exploring the different areas of the paranormal. Because like, like I say, I'm mainly a UFO guy. Although I had one ghost experience a few years ago with sort of sort of opened my eyes on that side of things. But since doing the, the podcast and been discussing all different areas of the paranormal, um, we found that there's the link between UFOs, ghosts, crypt, cryptology, all areas of paranormal are linked, in my opinion. And I think and there's areas around the world, in the UK, around the world, where there's high occurrences of different things happening, of all different aspects of paranormal or unusual events high strangeness events happening in sort of certain places. And I think there's these areas of whether it's like the magnetic fields of a, like say ley, ley lines based around electromagnetic forces, whether it's these areas, these ley lines that sort of where they meet, where there's increased activity is where unusual things happen. I think one theory that has sort of been raised in its head quite a bit is like the possibility of portals into different, alternate realities or different dimensions. And when you look at where these like portals are or where like, allegedly they are, it's where like the number of ley lines sort of intersect with each other. So I think especially like from the work I've been doing the past seven or eight months, um, I think that's that that's what it is. That is um I'm a lot more open minded to um sort of that being a possibility. Whereas 12 months ago I'd have been, what are you talking about? Um, but now I'm like, it actually makes more sense than a lot of stuff that we know. And it, ex- it would explain a lot of a lot of instances and a lot of events that happen. And I think, and the fact that there's like there's history with these places that go back like what, hundreds, thousands of years, like all like ancient ruins and ancient monuments are all linked along ley lines. I think I, and we've obviously in the past when they wouldn't have been able to have the technology to do anything else. I think they would have been possibly drawn by the, I suppose, the natural energy that you can feel around ley lines. And that's why these places become sacred areas where they build like, like Stonehenge and uh, Glastonbury Torn, places like this, is because there is an energy there. And I think that if something unusual is coming, in that area, it's because of this heightened energy. So I guess that's that's my take on on ley lines. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 very plausible, and I, I agree with everything you said there. What about you, Greg? What do you think? Yeah, exactly the same um, as Ash. Uh, ley lines uh, had been stuff that, being from the paranormal side, uh, had been bits that I'd. Um, I've been involved in part of the investigation. So I've been to a place called the Ancient Ram Inn, um, one of the, allegedly one of the most haunted places in the UK, and several ley lines intersect underneath it. Um, there seems to be a lot of paranormal activities, like Ash mentioned, with places that are near or on ley lines. We spoke to um, a guy called John Edmonds, from Stardust Ranch in America, which is, if you haven't heard the story of him, it's completely, had I had not known about the subject, you'd have said the guy was completely insane. But the more you, you talk to the guy, the more you understand what's happening and the whole paranormal field and UFO field, it all makes sense. This guy says that he has portals open up on his ranch. Um, creatures come out and he interacts with these beings and these different entities. But he also mentioned that he was on a ley line and there's a ley line that goes past him to other places in America. So who knows? It's, it's something 
that seems to have some kind of draw to a lot of paranormal um, and UFO events. So I think people use dowsing rods. I've used a dowsing rod, and it's a very strange thing to, to see happen. And this thing move with water. It happens with ley lines as well. Um, I don't think you can discount a ley line. I think that definitely got important um, important part of all the things that are happening I, I, through history. I think are definitely um, definitely have ley lines involved somewhere. So you, you you interviewed this guy for your podcast, um, so to the paranormal podcast. How did that start? How did you decide to do that? Did you realise it would take up as much of your time as it does? Because I know when I started this, I didn't think I didn't realise at all. Um, who's your favourite guest that you've had on so far, and um, who do you hope to get on in the future? Do you want to take how we got started, Greg? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, so this time, well, and towards the end of last year, well, during last year, um, me and Ash separately play poker online. Um, didn't know each other before. Um, we became admins of the same poker group on Facebook um, and we're just interacting as an admin group, just doing all the, all the bits an admin has to do on a Facebook group, which can be quite time consuming it um, with some people and some groups but I think I think Ash put up did you put up I think you put your website and said, said like yeah just go on my website and have a look at it yeah just randomly in the admin group chat and I was like oh yeah I'm into UFOs and whatnot we had a bit of a chat and then I messaged him and we were we were just chatting on a message just about UFOs and the ghost stuff and I was like, you know what? I fancy doing a podcast. I've always wanted to do one. Should we do one? And like literally two weeks later, first episode was was up and running. And as you just mentioned as well, it's quite it can be quite a time consuming thing. And people don't realise quite how challenging it can be. And we've we so I think it was it Second of December. Second of December was, was the first, first episode. episode. Yeah. And um, we quickly realised how time-consuming it was when we started editing the thing. And uh, we were doing it together and we were... The amount of blooper reels we've got of off-cuts of things that we've said, we were just looking at each other on the Zoom call and just start laughing and not even talking. Um, but we've been fortunate enough that every Tuesday since the 2nd of December, we've been able to put out an episode we had a slight blip a couple of weeks ago, out of our control. But yeah, we've for nearly eight months now, we've been. Yeah, it's been a crazy. I don't life. know how, but we've done it. We've managed it. And the subjects we've covered. Oh well, I'll, I'll pass over to Ash now. I've said my bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, like like Greg said. We've literally, apart from one week, we've had an episode every Tuesday, mm. and and we don't phone them in either. It's. Um, genuine guests we do lots of research into the topics that we're going to be talking about um we we it's a lot of work getting guests on and like especially like from all the world we're up at like two in the morning interviewing someone from america because uh, of time differences and stuff like this uh, so a, a lot like a lot goes into as you found out a lot goes into doing this there's a lot of reasons why people give up and i feel like the, the average podcast is like seven episodes because people give up because they might, don't realise the amount of work um, that it takes. But in terms of guests, we've had like all topics. And obviously, with my UFO interest, we sort of had it. So we'd have half UFO episodes, half sort of other paranormal, and sort of like swap between that. Um, this has kind of worked out pretty well. Some of the subjects we've covered, we've never even considered. Uh, we, had, like, we had a guy on recently talking about demonology, um, and that actually turned into how demons are actually aliens, and like, and obviously, and like, obviously, hundred years ago, like demons were what we now call aliens and alien abduction and things like this. Again, that's just another way how the different you wouldn't ever link demonology with UFOs, but again, another example of that link between the two subjects happening. 
And in terms of guests, I think my favourite has, apart from yourself, Craig. Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you have to, have to say that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our first guests as well, so uh, appreciated that as well at, at the time. Um, Nerve-wracking being on both sides of it, I tell you. It really yeah, definitely eye-opening, sort yeah. of, being on, like I say, being on both sides. Um, but I would say, who we mentioned then, John Edmonds. Mm. Um, I wasn't too aware of him. Greg, I knew Greg's been into it quite a few years. So it's, his story's been going on since the 90s. Um, and he, he, so basically, a lot of people heard of Star, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. He's got his TV show, and Bob Bigelow. And apparently, Bob Bigelow was, gonna, was trying to buy his ranch before Skinwalker because of what was going on at Stardust Ranch. Um, and then it basically says John Edmonds, his claim is that Bob Bigelow's basically took everything that happened at his ranch and then said, I made sort of made it happen at Skinwalker because he didn't get to buy his ranch. And basically, said that his ranch, Stardust Ranch, is like Skinwalker on acid because the things that happened to him are 10 times what's what happens at, at Skinwalker. But talking to him. Uh, on we had to call his landline number in America in Arizona, uh, which is <laughs> took a while to figure out how to do it on Skype <laughs> initially. He doesn't have the internet. He doesn't have mobile phone. He's out in the sticks in Arizona. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he had to phone him on his landline. Uh, but he was really great guy to talk to. Totally genuine. Um, and that how much was just, did that cost? It didn't. Got- it was just yeah, free Skype. It was just like a couple yeah. of quid for oh, unlimited US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a we. So I, I've always wanted to speak to this guy. His story is amazing, and I've said um, Ghost Adventures have done an episode there. It, it's it's a popular um, topic of conversation in for people who know about Skinwalker Ranch. Most of them would probably not necessarily know about this uh, this Stardust Ranch. Um, the guy is claimed to have killed nineteen aliens with a samurai sword. So that's just a bit of what happened. <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> a bit of part bit. of his story. Yeah, when, but like I said, when you speak to the guy, he's sounds completely credible. Hmm. He believes everything he he's saying. He doesn't care if anybody doesn't believe him. Um, so I was messaging him for, so going back to your point, I was messaging him for some time to try and get him on, dropping in messages, dropping in messages. And then one, I think it was one Friday, um, he put a post up on his Facebook page and I made a comment underneath saying, I'll try and get a hold of you. And then he responded to my message and he was like, can you do now? And I was like, God. So I messaged Ash and said, look, this guy, we can do it. So I had, we, we put it off for a few hours just so we could try and figure out all the technicals and everything. And um, yeah, we managed to get hold of him and it was could have spoke for, like when we were chatting to you as well, Craig, um, on our podcast, we could have spoke for hours. We, I really felt we could just, it was just a conversation we were just having. Yeah, And same with this guy. He could have spoke for forever about it the, the stuff he was coming out with was stuff we we'd never really experienced on air from any other guest um yeah and his story stands up to this day it's the same story he's been saying from yeah. day one and mad you've got dna results as well from the aliens that he's killed and okay. that, that you can view you can view the dna results that you had like this um alien blood analyzed and it like it comes back as like being a weird combination of different, uh, but it is an unidentifiable yeah. uh, substance that he that he that he. It was like plant based stuff, wasn't it? So how's that not gone further then? I mean, surely if he'd have sent it off, unless it's somebody that he knows that could do the DNA testing for him, if it went, you know, if he sent it off to a any old lab somewhere you know it was, it was a university sent off to like a university guy, um university the guy, lab the guy died mysteriously as well yeah who uh, did the, he did the testing that's um and yeah. he, he, i think he was Not quite well, yeah quite a well <laughs> i think he's quite a well-known scientist as well it wasn't just like your average joe who works in the hospital or whatever yeah 
I think he was quite a prominent guy. Um, mysterious circumstances, but well, I'll be honest, I've 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 not actually checked that one out, but I will do. I'll check out that episode of your podcast because it, it sounds fascinating. To oh, it's, it is, and we were just we were there on Skype. The guy was on the phone, so he couldn't see us. But we could see each other. We could see each other, and we we just he was there, and we're just like, yeah, what this is <laughs> the stuff he was coming out with. But as I mentioned, it's so. Uh, it, it was just so enthralling the story that he's telling and his, his account and it's like oh, I don't care if anybody believes me I don't care it makes no difference to me um, and it, it like it, I come off there and you just don't mine was blown it was just so much of this unnatural phenomena that's happening to him so the Without sort of naming any other names, um, have you found? Because obviously you've you've done a lot of lot of episodes now. So have you spoken to people that afterwards you've thought that is an absolute load of old guff, um, or have you found that most people are credible? Shall we say? Over to us. Yeah, I think like, obviously with John Edmund's story, and we've had other guests on where you just think to yourself, like, this can't be true. Like, there's just there's too much, and it's like, it's just too much. And you just think there's no way that this can be true. But then I also think that it's not me. I'm not experiencing it. So who am I to say this guy's full of shit? Yeah, um, it could be happening to him. Who we, like that? And we always say, like with, with the podcast, that we don't give an opinion on the on the guests on the stories to come out with. It's just mm-hmm. we give a platform. We've had people on the show that have never talked about their experiences before. They've always been scared to talk about it, being ridiculed. They never never find anywhere to talk about it. We've had uh, a number of times we've had basically like people in tears talking about their experiences. And it's just that it's it's a platform for them, and yeah. this is their story. It's up to the listeners to take from it what they want to take from it. Mm-hmm. If they want to believe it, whether they they think it's all a load of crap, it's up to them. We don't give our opinion on it. I mean, I have my opinions on on some of it, but that's my opinion. And but again, I wasn't there. I didn't experience it. So who am I to judge whether I believe that or not? Who's been your favourite guest then? Apart from oh, you. Don't say me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we had we had a guy recently, um, a guy called Michael, that reached out to us and said he'd got this um, experience to, to tell. And we spoke to him, um, going backwards and forwards a few times. Then we, we set up the the call spoke to him the episode was out just a few weeks ago and i really enjoyed speaking to him because again his story or his account of things that have happened to him since birth basically you look at it all and you go that sounds like too much it does like ash said some people's accounts of things are too much you can't see how all this can happen to one person and then not be on the front page of every newspaper in the world but this guy reached out to us and it was the the first time he'd properly talked to anybody about him and we could see him it was on the zoom call and um you could see the anguish in his eyes you could when he's telling you some of the stuff some very personal stuff at some points you couldn't help but be drawn into his experiences and it was quite powerful at times some of the stuff he was talking about was quite dark um, like personal things, quite dark. Um, and I really enjoyed talking to him. He was a really nice guy. Seemed completely genuine. Um, yeah, and he was definitely one of my favourites because these people just reach out to us. A lot of the... So we... we I mean, John Edmonds, we did go out to him. We've been trying to get hold of him for some time. But we get a lot of people just come to us and say this happened to me. And then when we start talking to him, it all comes out. And like I said, we spoke to somebody, she, she was in tears. We've had 
and when they're telling all this stuff and they've never felt brave enough to, to speak to anybody because they've always been ridiculed on the internet by trolls yeah. and, yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. all these groups. Um, and of course, it's very a lot of the stuff's very personal, isn't it, as well? So, um, <clears throat> and it can be quite emotional as well. I mean, I know, you know, from personal experience, things things that happen to you can be very emotional. And, and obviously talking to, you know, with all due respect, relative strangers, which, which we are when we're talking to these people, um, it can sometimes be quite difficult to, to bring the stories out of them, really. And I think the fact that they, they do open up to you is, is you know, great, great, um, you know, uh, it's great on, on your part that you can you can bring that out of people. What about you, Ash? What who who stands out for you? Well, apart from apart from John Edmonds, uh, we had a we had this is where I got, <laughs> remember his name. Danny is Danny Moss. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah um, I hadn't heard of him. He has um, shows on Amazon Prime and other streaming services he's a, like a ghost paranormal investigator okay and I, I hadn't really heard of him before so what's a few episodes in advance of like talking to him and that's what he was really, again really great to talk to um open and some of the stuff that he had done both as part of his show and both just just him was just fascinating and really sort of helped me sort of see more into that side of things rather than the whole side of things because I, I, I say it's that side of it is more pretty new to me, but I, talking to him and some of the other people on the on the more paranormal side has made me want to get into that side more to do my own investigations, go on my own, what they call ghost hunts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Greg's got some of the um, like spirit boxes and other equipment that I'm keen to get out with Greg because me and Greg have never actually met in person. Uh, we barely knew each other before we started the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like but it's a long distance romance, is that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like two hundred miles apart. Or... Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I did often wonder actually how you two guys got got together doing this because obviously you're in Oxford, Greg, and, and yeah. Ash, you're in Warrington, is it? So yeah, yeah, yeah I was. I'm in Manchester now, but yeah, in Manchester, yeah. right? But yeah, I mean, even so, it's still quite a quite a yeah. distance, isn't it? So, so who who would you really like to get on then? Who are you chasing? Who you know who who for both of you would would be your ideal guest? Go on, Greg. I'll ask you that first. <laughs> so there there is a person that I've been I would love to have a chat to, David Ike. Now, David Ike is one of those people, certainly over the recent times, where it's quite divisive and people either like his stuff or don't. Um, but. I, I started reading some of his books about 15 years ago or so. And some of the stuff in there is is quite an eye-opener. It, it is more conspiracy-based. and But he also talks about, um, which is one side that I'd like to speak to him about, everybody's, like, everything's based around love and light uh, and that we go to this place that... Um, when we leave our bodies where we're just a light energy. And he was speaking about that years ago when I was reading his books and some of the guests that we speak to about paranormal stuff, they talk about lights and we spoke to a guy who claimed that he was almost the sort of the entrance and messenger that people would go to when they pass over to say whether or not they fulfilled everything in their life before they go up to to heaven or onwards and he was talking about lights and energy so um yeah david i would be one definitely one for me just i think it would be a great conversation some of his stuff he's talking about about covid now i'm not not that interested but his other stuff definitely ash uh, for me this is on i did try and reach out to him like during the start of the podcast um because a lot of the, a lot of time social medias are managed by like companies rather than them so it's quite hard to get hold of him without having to go through agents and his agent they get back to me and say like he's a bit busy at the minute uh, it was uh, Nick Frost and it's at the time it's when like True Seekers was coming out on Amazon and he's been like a massive massive fan of Nick Frost and Simon Pegg since Spaced uh, when I was a teenager just grew up on grew up on all their stuff their shows and the films um, and I know that they're big into um, like like this side of things, like the unknown, unknown paranormal stuff. So 
for me, definitely would be Nick Frost. And I think I'm due to try again uh, with his agent. Just to, I think a lot of it's with timing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be quite yeah. a coup, that, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh. definitely. Definitely. I think the most famous person we've had on is probably Joe Wood. Yep. Um, she was quite, she's quite fun to talk to as well. Yeah. Um, she has her own podcast and she had some crazy stories as well. But she was there. Uh, she was, she's to. fortunate enough to be in a position of A, being an ex wife of one of the uh, Rolling Stones. And so she had Robbie Williams on her podcast. She's had all sorts of celebrities. Um, that have had experiences, so yeah. But she was, she was, she was an interesting you know, character. Tap her up for a few contacts, then while you were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when's Robbie Williams coming on your podcast? Uh, we have, we have tried Robbie. You have yeah, tried we have Robbie. tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you've got to keep trying, haven't you? You've got to keep, you know, keep pegging away. Um, no, no pun intended, and uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, just keep monitoring these people until. They either block you or crumble. It's either one or the other, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's great stuff. I mean, I, I, I've listened to some of your episodes. I'm, I'll hold my hand up. I've listened to them all because I don't have time to listen to every podcast of everyone. You know, everyone that I follow. It's a full time job just doing that. Isn't well, it, it is. Yeah. So I, I sort of pick and choose and, and sort of listen to the ones that sort of pique me interest more than you know because some. I'm more into the paranormal side of things than UFOs, but, you know, as I talk to more people like yourself, for instance, Ash, and, you know, I mean, I spoke to Philip Mantle for the, the last podcast I did, and I've spoke to Paul Sinclair as well, who was fantastic, by the way, really, really, really great guy. Um, and um, the more that I talk to people like that, the more interest I get into the UFO side of things. And I agree, you know, there is a correlation between, and we spoke about this when I, when I was a guest on your podcast, there is a correlation between, does seem to be between paranormal and UFO activity and, and where you get big cats and where you get cryptos. Uh, I mean, for instance, you probably know, um, Ash, about Winter Hill um, and you know about the stuff that's going on up there at the minute. I spoke to Mick McLaren. Um, there's a lot of crypto stuff going on up there. There's a lot yeah. of UFO stuff going on up there. So, you know, these these areas have definitely got areas of energy that, that are sort of, focusing all these different things so so yeah it, it is a very very interesting subject can we before we finish can we just talk about individually your favorite case that that you've either read about um or you're you've uh, researched it doesn't necessarily have to be one that, that you've been involved with so greg your favorite paranormal and, and ash your favorite ufo case do you want to start greg yeah, yeah. So um, one that's always fascinated me, right from and it was probably one of the earlier ones that I picked up on that got me into the paranormal was uh, the Enfield Poltergeist case. So this happened in North London, um, and affected this um, family. There was a, um, the mum, Peggy, couple of daughters, son, and started having some weird experiences in the house. Um, police turned up. It's one of the most documented poltergeist cases um, in the world. Um, there's loads of documentaries on it. There's video clips of this spirit speaking through Janet, the, the girl. Um, and you can hear this, this spirit talking. She puts water in her mouth. And this sound still comes out of her. Um, and The Conjuring 2 um, is based on that story um, of of this uh, poltergeist activity. So it's one that I always <clears throat> dip into. It comes up frequently around Halloween, all those kind of times. Yeah. And it's just one of them cases that's never totally been sort of debunked. There's so much evidence around it um audio recordings there's books on it um the girls even admitted to hoax in some of the mm. some of the bits when they were caught doing it yeah um, but they said we only done we've only done a little bit of this yeah yeah they held their hands up and some of it's it's weird some of the audio tapes are quite chilling yeah um but yeah that's my most favorite one i think just because it stood the test of time yeah, there was um, a dramatisation, wasn't there, a few years ago with... Um, Timothy Spall. Timothy yeah. Spall, yeah. There was 
there was one part I think of, of the I think it was a three parter, wasn't it? And there was one part of the third um, episode where they were recreating the voice coming through Janet. She was sat in a chair, I think, That's it. and it was really quite. It was so well done. It was it was really disturbing the way that, that they did it, and you would imagine that that would have been torn down for you know for a mass audience. So. Mm-hmm. What actually went on in the house, I would imagine, is probably a lot worse than that. So, but no, it's a story that's interested me over the years. I'm poltergeists are a thing that I really enjoy looking into and reading about. And, um, yeah, it's it's a disturbing story. Ash, what about what about you? What's your favorite UFO story? So, this is probably going to be pretty cliche, um, but this is one that when I was first getting into it, like when I was a kid, when I had my sight in. And then I went to like the library and got what books I could. Um, this is one that's just always sort of been there. And I mean, it's Rendlesham. Yeah. Um, you can't get away from it in the UK. It is our most famous case. And, it, and it's the most famous case for a reason. It is, there's just so many levels to it. There's obviously you've got the government side, the military side of it. You've got these high-ranking officials that say this is what happened. You've got recordings, the audio recordings. You've got... Years later, you've got the, the binary code and other people then coming forward and saying they're a part of it. Um, it's just absolutely fascinating case. Uh, I think it would be, I mean, it's, it's been obviously done to death and I think it always will be. It's always going to be debated back and forth, what happened, what didn't happen, who believes who. Uh, obviously, um, there's been lots of infighting and arguing between different people that were there or weren't there at the time. Um, but it's just, overall, it's just, Absolutely fascinating case. It wasn't a one-off. It was multiple times or multiple nights. Lots of witnesses. Um, and it, it's still the test of time. It's 40 years later and it's still being debated. Yeah. Um, as it was when it first came to light the, the years afterwards. Yeah, they, they call it the um, the British Roswell, don't they? Um, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was name-dropping again when I spoke to Philip, Philip Mantle. I asked him about Rendlesham, what he thought of it, and he had some some interesting ideas on it. And, and you're right, Ash, it is. It's a story, I think, that will continue to rumble on because there's so many people have got so many, yeah. um, not differing accounts, but, you know, they're not all the same accounts. There are always people coming forward with um, new aspects to it, even 40 years on. So, um, And, of course, that area down there on the east coast is just absolutely rife, isn't it? With with all sorts of, of UFO activity. So, um, yeah, great stuff. Well, yeah. thanks, guys. I've really enjoyed it. It's been it's been great to hop between the paranormal and UFOs, and, and at some points um, tie them together, which uh, is something that I think all three of us are quite quite keen to do. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. Good luck with with. I don't need to wish you good luck with your podcast because it's it's fantastic. It's it's been going for many many episodes now, and you've had some great guests on there. So, um, if any of the listeners to this podcast have been daft enough not to listen to yours, and they need to go and find it, and they need to 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 binge listen because it's uh, it's a great thing that you've done. Um, just very quickly, do you want to just remind us of where we can find you on the internet and on social media? Yeah, well, well, the podcast, like I say, is called Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcast. It's on all the main podcast streaming platforms. I've got the own website, which is Pursuit of the Paranormal at Cult UK, and we've got the same name on Facebook, on Instagram, so you can reach out to us there. Um, I'm Ash Ellis on Facebook, Greg's Greg Tomlinson, so you can find us there if you want to just reach out and let us know. But yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, um, thank you. Good luck with your podcast. It's uh, yeah. It's hard work, and I've been listening to yours, and you had some uh, great guests on as well. So, uh, thanks for having us on. Thank you, thanks, guys. Been Thank great talking to you. Thank you very Cheers. much. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Ash and Greg for coming on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did. Remember to go and check out their Facebook page, and while you're at it, you can check out my Facebook page, which is the Shadow Man of Accrington. Also, have a look at my website, which is www.craigbryant.co.uk, where you can find details of all my social media accounts, my book, and also this podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay safe, and remember to keep watching the shadows.